Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're listening to The Sane Show, the show about nothing and everything. I'm your host, Cliff. And today, I have a really special guest. I'm really excited for this one. <laughs> I have senior writer and producer at Showtime. She's worked on shows such as Homeland, The Shy, The Good Lord Bird, Ray Donovan, and other productions, Kate Wagner. How are you doing, Kate? Good. Wow. What a greeting. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm super excited. I I'm really am. Really quick. Before I introduce the topics, I want to quickly take and do the shout outs to all of our fans and all of our listeners in all 60 plus countries. I appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Thank you guys for continuing to spread the word about the same show. Like, share, subscribe. And if you're listening and you don't already follow us, be sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Sane underscore show. Again, that's Sane, S-A-N-E underscore show. And then on Facebook, The Sane Show. Again, on Facebook, that's The Sane Show. So today, we're going to talk about the broader narrative. Following that, we're going to have a conversation about an immersive experience. And then we're going to have an interview with you, Kate, so that the listeners can learn more about you the things you do, and all the fun and exciting things that go along with that. So let's go ahead and get into it with the first topic, the broader narrative. All right, so, let's do it. So you you really opened my eyes with this one. And like we discussed before, I think this is something that you know a lot of us are aware of on a subconscious level um, when we talk about the broader narrative, if you could just kind of explain to listeners what the broader narrative is. Yeah, sure. So at Showtime, I specifically work in our special features department. So we do promotional material that supports a series and features talent, usually direct to camera or in an interview setting. So with every series I work on, we sort of have two narratives. We have the narrative that's the storyline of the series, like what the show is specifically about. And then we sort of have to explore what the broader narrative is, which is how the show sort of fits into like the cultural lexicon. So for example, I worked on the show Smilf, which its series storyline is about a woman navigating motherhood and dating. She's single. And then more broadly, when you look at it and how this story sort of fits into the culture, it's a story of female empowerment told by a first time filmmaker who also happens to be a single mother sort of in the shadows of the 2016 election when we have this president who gets elected who sort of brags about assaulting women and oppressing women. So that's sort of a broader narrative than just what the show's about. Right, right. Thank you for that. And, you know, I, I think it's, I'm so glad that you, know, you brought that to my attention because one of the things I think about when it comes to the broader narrative is the fact that I think with certain shows, prime example, The Shy, I think it gives the show more meaning or it can give a show more meaning when you're able to connect it to the broader narrative. Because, you know, following my first conversation with you, I went around and even asked some people about, you know, what are their thoughts on shows like The Shy and some of the others that you've worked on. And, you know, one person said that after watching the video, it's like that was exactly everything I said to you, Cliff, about what I think the show represents outside of the production itself. And so that's big because now you're talking about cultural impact, obviously. And, and I, I take it that's the goal of the broader narrative. Would you agree with that as far as the broader narrative is designed to make 
a bigger impact, obviously a bigger impact outside the show, but more of like a cultural impact. Yeah, definitely. I think that's it. And it's about sort of allowing viewers to see themselves in the show and to find different things they connect with. And I think what's often really special is there can be, you know, multiple narratives and there can be multiple um, sort of entry points for viewers, depending on the series. And I know like The Shy has a bunch and it's I, I think it's one of the best shows. I'm really a huge fan and excited <laughs> to work on it. That's yeah, that's that's really that's really awesome. And I was thinking about it over the weekend because I was watching Cuties on Netflix and that was a movie that a lot of people or I guess it garnered a lot of controversy because of you know, all of the speculation about what the movie was designed to promote. And I, I honestly, if you ask me, I just think a lot of it was just misinformation. And at the end of the day, it's one of those things you have to sit down and you have to watch it for yourself. And I know for me Sunday, that was exactly it. I'm like, okay, everybody's saying this. Wait, so I don't, I'm not familiar with it. What did, what were people saying about it? And then how did you feel about it? So basically people were saying that it was promoting pedophilia. Um, okay. <laughs> it was, it's, it's basically a coming of age movie about uh, this girl who's trying to find herself and she gets involved with the wrong click and she's just trying to navigate her way. And for me, I watched it and it was a thing of, you know, following the character, right? Seeing what she's going through. And, and as you watch your understanding and it's not all what people were making it out to be. And for me, really, I was focused on the broader narrative. Right. What mm -hmm. are they trying to convey in this movie? And it, it's again, it's a coming of age film. It's about a girl who's trying to find her way and that she gets caught up with the wrong crowd and start doing some crazy thing. <laughs> there were some cringe worthy yeah. moments. And, yeah. <laughs> but when you think about the broader narrative about what they're the message that the producer and director was trying to get out to the audience, I think they did a good job of that. I mean, the, I gave it a three out of five stars because the production mm -hmm. and the, the plot could have been better. But as far as the message that they were kind of trying to convey, got it. And I said, just for that reason alone, I felt like the movie was worth, well worth the watch just for that. Yeah. And it made me think about things. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I mean, so one of the shows I was telling you about that I just wrapped on was um, The Good Lord Bird which storyline is it's about a 13-year-old boy named Onion who sort of has a front seat to the abolitionist John Brown heading into the Civil War. And it's a really amazing limited series starring Ethan Hawke. But there are so many different interesting social commentaries that are a part of it. So that's sort of, you know, the broader narrative of the show. There's a few. Like one part that's really interesting is this character Onion is a slave who is pretending to be a girl. So there's a really interesting sort of exploration of how he's treated differently when people think that he's a man versus when people think he's a woman. And then there's also this really interesting juxtaposition with the character of John Brown, where he's a sort of fervent Christian and he's doing his best to get the wheels moving on freeing the enslaved population of America but he's also using violence to get to these sort of peaceful end, this peaceful mm. end. It's also like an interesting narrative of when is action okay if it's for a social good of like an oppressed people. I mean, it's it, there's a lot of really interesting larger stories and 
it really fits right now into the conversation we're having as a culture. You know, I just got out of, I just got a lot <laughs> out of the little bit that you just shared. I'm just, I think there were like a few different points in which I was like, okay, I see that. Okay. I see that. I see that too. <laughs> so yeah, it's, I think it's really cool how, again, something showing for, you know, even the entire series, what, I, I don't know, like what, 12 hours worth can convey such speak such a louder message than what's being packed in those couple hours of content. And, you know, I got to give a compliment to you as I was doing before the show, because even in the promotional pieces, I think, you know, a lot of that is conveyed again, what we're talking about a couple, a couple minutes at that. So to be able to do that, it one, it lends a greater voice to the, the content piece or the, the production itself. And then it speaks volumes to uh, the creators behind it who are able to take just a little bit and make it into a lot. Yeah, and it definitely, it just adds another layer when you're viewing to really think analytically about sort of where you're spending your time and what you're watching. Um, right. And I, I, I think it makes it, I think it makes TV viewing more interesting. It does. <laughs> it really does. All right, we're back. Now we're going to talk about an immersive experience. So I, as I mentioned to you earlier, Kate, uh, you know, I had a bit of a time you know, trying to put this into words because a lot of this is sensational as far as how I actually feel when I'm watching certain productions. And, you know, I noted that these are kinds of experience one that you get when you go to a movie theater, like, and you know, it's the easiest thing I can, I can think or draw and make an example of as we go to the movie, you know, you think about the smell of popcorn, you're in a dark room, dim lighting, and you have this flick and you're, it's an entire experience in itself. But then when I think about being at home, the closest you get to that. And I think this is why these networks, and streaming platform has excelled, I think about Showtime, I think about HBO, I think about Netflix. And yeah, I did a lot of a lot of research into like, okay, why are these what makes them so unique though? <laughs> I mean, from someone that you know doesn't isn't really thinking into it like I am, you can it's easy to say, oh, where they're they're just making TV shows, you know, another TV show showing another movie you know it's just at home is where it may not appear as special but i think again on a subconscious level like they're still getting that experience and you know one of the things i've come to discover and the only thing i could really say is why is that it's the quality of the content you know you watch shows on hbo and showtime and on netflix even and the, the quality is there. The story is there. And, and it's almost like, I guess I can now, now that I'm thinking about it, like when you watch a show and you're like really bummed out that it's over either for the season or permanently, because it was such a great watch and it was an experience in itself. So I just want to you know, get your thoughts on, it, especially again, you're, you're at Showtime 
and you know you can speak to the productions there so i would like uh, to get your insight on it as far as you know again that immersive experience and why is it that networks like showtime hbo and a platform like netflix are able to do that compared to other uh whether streaming providers or basic cable networks yeah i mean i think you know we are a premium network so mm-hmm. you know we strive to have really high quality content. And then on top of it, I mean, we have the luxury of not having to stop for ad breaks, which mm. I think can really disrupt a story and a narrative. So this is a very natural way of telling a story. You're not having these breaks and sort of these moments that are artificially built to keep you on the edge of your toes until we're back from break. And so it feels natural and it, it really flows. And then also, you know, Showtime really invests in its creators. And I think they have a really strong portfolio of people that we work with. And sort of like I was saying to you earlier, I think Showtime does a really great job. And I think a lot of these other networks do a great job of sort of having a theme that sort of runs with a lot of the programming. So for example, Showtime likes to focus on sort of the family dynamic, whether given or chosen, and also these subversive characters. So there's like an extra layer that sort of hooks you in of going with a character that you really identify with, even though there may be parts of this character that are a little um, not quite uh, on the up, like, you know, (laughs) Dexter or Ray Donovan, all these people that may be good at heart, but don't always make good choices. Um, And I think a lot of people can resonate with these characters. That is... (laughs) That is very true. Uh, Like I was saying to you about characters like Ray Donovan and Dexter, where where it's like, oh, like, it's entertaining. I understand what I do. It's like, it it just feels wrong. Yeah, (laughs) like, like, why am I rooting for a serial killer? (laughs) Yeah. But it's Um, true. I think Dexter was really one of the first shows that, like, invited you in and asked audiences to root for a killer. And people did it. (laughs) Like. It's like something I saw going around on social media or like, you know, people were sharing a post like, who's your favorite villain? <laughs> yeah. you know, everybody's throwing out the, because I, even when I think about that kind of stuff, like you know, Joker or uh, from, you know, Dark Knight and um, mm-hmm. you know, Killmonger from uh, Black Panther. So yeah, I, I, I totally, yeah, totally get it. You brought up something very interesting when you were talking about you guys having the luxury to not cut for commercials and Mm -hmm. that is powerful because I even think about like when you're watching a movie even when I'm like watching Netflix it may be a show and it may be a show that airs on a basic cable network which one you can tell where they were planning to cut for a commercial break but I just I just think about like the littlest things like pausing the show or pausing a movie and it's the most it's so disruptive yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it's like it takes you out of the experience. It does. It does. And that is very powerful as far as taking or really I don't even want to say taking, interrupting the experience because I think about like I, I was even thinking about you know, I shared a a meme yesterday that was talking about, you know, one of the most satisfying things is getting on your computer, a full plate of food, <laughs> a <Yeah>. beer, <laughs> you're ready to watch your favorite show or movie. And it's like, okay, do not disturb me. This is, I'm about to have a full experience here. <laughs> and, yeah. and like a lot of people can relate to that. And that's, that's very powerful. Cause I even 
think about again, like when I'm watching uh, the shy and some of the other shows, like, yeah, like I don't, I, I love that. And that it allows you to be more in tune with the show is what I'll say. Definitely. And I mean, and that's what you were sort of saying before about the real benefit of a movie theater is you go in somewhere and it is an hour and a half uninterrupted in the darkness. You're not supposed to have your phone around. So you're not on multiple screens. You know, everybody's supposed to be quiet. And so this is, I mean, premium TV is, I think, as close as you're going to get to that experience. It's just sort of on yourself to make sure that you don't pick up your phone when you're home. But, you know. Wow, I just had a light bulb moment. You literally just made something click. <laughs> <laughs> I figured it out. I, I Thank you for helping me figure it out. Because, again, like, I really didn't know how to put it into words. But you, I, I just put out there what I knew or the best way to, to describe it. And then you just literally came behind me and said, the movie day, you go in there, it's dark, no interruption, hour long, hour and a half long flick, uninterrupted, you know, or with no, you know, commercials or none of that crazy stuff. And so that's pretty much what the, what an immersive experience is, being able to watch something, not be distracted and really get into it, whatever it is that you're watching. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, seven years of Showtime sort of opens your eyes to these you things. You know. <laughs> You know that way better than I do. I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm so glad you shared that because now I'm, I'm sitting here taking mental notes. Just wait till I go back <laughs> to <Yeah>. my writer. <laughs> All right, we're back. Now, I'm gonna ask you some questions so that the listeners can learn more about you, the things you do, and all the fun things that go along with that. I'm excited. So I'm going to go ahead and fire off with this first question. From your perspective as a writer and producer, how does interviewing cast members benefit the actor slash actress and or the series? Well, I really think, as much as I want to say it benefits the actor or the actress, I really think it benefits the series. And it's sort of twofold, one being star power, of course. Obviously, we could say The Good Lord Bird is a story about John Brown. But when you say The Good Lord Bird is a story about John Brown played by Ethan Hawke, it brings in fans of Ethan. And I often find if I'm looking at the comments on YouTube for a trailer we've done or a teaser or a piece I've worked on, a lot of the comments tend to be fans of the actor on the series. So, of course, using them is always great. But then on top of it, on a deeper level, I find that interviewing the talent often lends a fresh perspective that maybe we didn't have um, or we didn't think of in the marketing department. So, for example, working on The Good Lord Bird, as I mentioned earlier on this podcast, it's a show about a young boy who's forced to pretend to be a girl who's riding with John Brown. And so for me, what was interesting about the series was seeing how this character is treated differently when he's identifying as one gender versus another. But when I talked to Joshua Caleb Johnson, who plays Onion on the series, and I asked him, you know, why is this role important to you? He told me that this was the first time that he felt accurately depicted on screen. And I sort of asked, what do you mean? And he said, well, you know, I'm half black, half white. This character is half black, half white. Oftentimes I feel like I'm living in this sort of in-between where I'm not black enough, I'm not white enough. He was like, this character is you know, male, but forced to identify as female. So he's not masculine enough. 
he's not feminine enough. He's 13. So he's not an adult yet. He's not a child. And he was like, so for me, it's this sort of rallying cry for everybody who doesn't feel like they fit in a group. And I was like, holy shit, like that never occurred to me. And that's so beautiful and so important. And so that was sort of another level of the series that we were able to talk about and bring to the table that my limitations as a white woman wouldn't have occurred to me. Wow. <laughs> I know it's a lot. <laughs> you guys are brilliant over there. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, it's just, I mean, again, it wasn't, it never would have occurred to me, but it was, you know, speaking to somebody who had a different perspective and realizing how many dimensions there were of this show. And I wouldn't have known this if I hadn't been able to interview the talent. Right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when speaking of the broader narrative, how would you define success when it comes to the impact made by a series? Is it defined by critic reviews and critiques or something else? I mean, for me personally, and I think for individuals, a series is a success when somebody watches it and feels represented or feels seen. And I think, you know, in terms of speaking on the business side of it and from a network, you know, obviously acclaim is wonderful and great and hopefully pushes people to watch the series, but success is definitely, you know, numbers and uh, acquisition and retention. So if somebody hears that Shameless is great, so they sign up to Showtime to watch Shameless and then they maybe are thinking about canceling their membership and they say, well, before I do, maybe I'll check out The Shy. And it's about having sort of you know, great programming and being able to retain subscribers based on like our, our content. Okay. That's Big a, marketing answer. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, that's a, that's honestly a great way to put it. You know, cause there, there's two sides to it for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I, I do, I feel like a home run is again, representation and people connecting with the show, but you know, if you're talking business, <laughs> right. a lot of numbers involved. Yeah. <laughs> Right. It's good that you recognize the bigger picture, though, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure this depends on the series, but what elements from a series do you typically focus on when constructing the broader narrative? Yeah, it definitely depends on the series. I think in general, we try to focus on sort of the art of the show and the relevance of the show. So sort of the art being sort of how the series gets made, the nuts and bolts, whether it's you know, if it's a period piece, let's talk about the costumes of the show. Let's talk about sort of the weapons that are used and sourced. Talk about reconstructing these historical sites. But then it's also, as we've been discussing, sort of how the show fits into the bigger picture and why it's relevant today. You know, I think Homeland is a really interesting example of every year before that show goes into production, the producers and some of the talent gets together with the actual CIA and they have sort of like a spy boot camp, and they sort of ask, you know, what keeps you up at night? And so these actual CIA members are, you know, speaking to what they predict is going to be big down the road. And then we sort of take that and create a series and figure out how to fit the series into what's going on in our culture. Wow. <laughs> so would you say, COVID has pushed you and your team to innovate? If so, then how? Yeah, I think it's definitely pushing us to innovate right now. My job is largely tied to being on set with, you know, different productions and traveling. And obviously when COVID happened, everything sort of halted to a stop. 
So our productions are just getting back into the swing of things now. And I think, I think a lot of the um, responsibility right now is falling on the productions themselves to, you know, figure out how to come back safely. And then it's also a lot of our crew members that we work with who are, we're working together with to figure out, you know, how to get us back on set safely and, um, you know, how to do it in a really smart way because that's cost effective. It's, it's definitely really interesting. And we're, you know, we're exploring right now the best ways to go back. And, you know, since COVID, I've done a Zoom shoot and we've done one remote shoot for Shameless, but um, it's definitely a work in progress at the moment. <laughs> awesome. Uh, <laughs> I got to say, I really enjoyed having you on as a guest. Really enjoyed the conversation as well. Definitely going to have to have you back on the show. Like I said, you got you really got my brain going. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, it was I, really I, nice chatting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for all the great content. You know, listeners, thank you guys for listening. And be sure if you haven't you know, sign up for Showtime. Like, I'm, I got, I'm yeah. going to have to. <laughs> this was so good. I'm going to do this for you, Kate. You know, <laughs> make sure you go sign up for Showtime. Check out the shy. Check out the good Lord Bird. Homeland, they're even bringing back Dexter for a limited run recently yeah. announced. <laughs> you got anything to add? No, I think you've covered it. Thank you again for having me. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. Again, I, I really appreciate you know you taking time out of your schedule to uh, take and come on the same show. So thank you so much. Anytime. So you guys are listening to the same show, the show about nothing and everything. And until next time, we're out.